0: from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. And so this morning, um, I just have a very simple message, very, very simple message. It's more like a series of steps that we need to take when we hear a call, because over the last four weeks or so, from when we started talking about Jonah, all the way to the fast, um, and even last week, we were talking about the call, right? Um, The call of God. Um, And I know that many times people always think that um, a call is when you're standing here preaching. At least that's what I used to think for many years of my Christianity. And so it actually took me maybe about 12 years before I actually had a new understanding of what the call meant. It didn't necessarily mean a pulpit or that I had to hold a mic and preach. Um, So many of us, you know, don't respond to the call of God because of our preconceived notion that a call is when you stand upon a pulpit to pass, to give a word or to maybe lead a prayer group or something. So this one, I just want to sort of change mindsets and just give us a few things that we actually need to do. So it's not a very, it's not a very spiritual message. It's a message (laughs) of action, right? Because there's an action that is required. If someone calls you, if I call your name, Pastor Zena. You respond, right? Yes. That that means there's an action that is required when you receive an activation or when you receive a call. And so, one thing I found out about God is that He is not going to stop. He won't stop nudging you when He calls you to something, when He calls you to assignment to an assignment. He never stops nudging you until such a day as your time on it is done, and He alone would determine that. And so you find, well, I don't know about other people, but I found that the most tumultuous time of my life, and when I mean tumultuous, I'm not talking about financial or maybe sickness or anything, but just a continuous state of unease and unhappiness, even when everything else around me seemed to be working, good job, great husband, you know, money in the bank. But the most tumultuous periods of my life are when I've walked outside of the calling of God. Or when I'm not walking in the calling that God has asked me to do. When I have taken the things that are less important and placed them as priority because I feel that it's the time and in the season. And so I've had to learn obedience, right? And that in that obedience, then God then makes everything okay. While I might still have problems, there's a peace that passes all human understanding that fills my heart and my mind. And that's when I know that I'm truly at peace with God, not about the length of my prayers or how long I have fasted or prayed. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Simply from a place of obedience. And so the time will come in our lives where we must take a decision. You see, Bible talks about a man that stays on the fence. It says neither here nor there. What does it say will happen? It said you will be chewed and what? spat out so a time will come in our lives where we get to a crossroad and there are two directions to take and i'm not talking now about even sin. i'm talking about when you make a conscious decision that you know what i am going to respond to this call of god because you know what god is not going to stop knocking at your door he will never stop and so since you know he's never going to stop you might as well just answer him and the sooner you start the better the better and so, throughout scriptures, we see people that were called and there was a continuous pattern of running away. So there's nothing new. <laughs> what you're doing or what I'm doing or anybody else that we know is doing, it's nothing new. It happened from time immemorial, as they would say in Nigeria. Why do Nigerians say that thing? Is it correct English? From time immemorial? <laughs> is it correct English? There's an English scholar here? Help me. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So Gideon, <laughs> when God called Gideon, Gideon said, Ah, <laughs> me, Gideon. <laughs> he said, Not only am I, what he had how did he describe it? Um, look, let's look for it in G- Judges 6, Judges 6, um, I think 15 or so. He said, Not only am I small, Abby. He said, I'm even from the least of all the tribes. Excuses as though God did not know before he called him. When he called Moses, Moses said to him, I'm a stammerer. Do you know that I killed somebody? You are sending me to Egypt, the place where I killed someone. (laughs) You want them to catch me and lock me up forever. Uh -uh, Help me now. It's been many years since I committed that. My temper is not hot like that again. Why are you sending me back there now? Eh? They will now see me and they will arrest me. He says, okay, I'm a stammerer. I'm not able to speak the words that you asked me to speak. Elijah, always looking for reassurance, always looking for consolation. The same man that killed the prophets of Baal now ran away to go and hide because he still had work to do. Jonah, of course, we just finished talking about Jonah the last four weeks. Very reluctant to the point he got on the ship and was running away and they had to st- throw him overboard. And so you are in good company. <laughs> you're in good company. There's that one that you're running. <laughs> you're in good company. Great men and women that did exploits for God, they all ran away. But it's something that I see as a consistent pattern when it comes to the call of God. So first there's a call. There's a call. And then there's a reluctance. And then God will give you a reassurance. And then God will give you a sign. And then God will equip you. And then God will send you out. And so if you look at your lives, so for many people, some people, I don't know, who here just heard the call and jumped in? Who? Anyone? people not even you (laughs) so yes you would see seasons where you're like god not now i want to get married this is not important now that i've just gotten this job i want to make money you're telling me about a call now that my i mean we'll come up with a thousand excuses you know the story um, that says um, i cannot come to the banquet don't trouble me now I have married a wife, I've bought me a cow, I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. They said they sent the bridegroom out to go and bring guests in, and they said, No, 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 not now. But the truth is that God is never going to continue nudging at your door. And so, one of the things I want to see to, just, you know, to share this morning is um, to change of mindset, right? And the reason why a lot of people don't like to respond to their calls, a very simple message. People don't respond to their call because they believe that their call is a pulpit. But the truth is that on Sunday, what we do here is simply a preparation for our assignment. And I'm sure we all know this. But let me just remind you again this morning. What we do on Sunday is not a calling. It is simply a gathering of God's people, a gathering of his agents, a gathering of his undercover agents, a gathering of the CIA, FBI, MI5, whatever agents you are to be equipped to go back into the world and do the assignments that he called us to do a sunday service is two hours that cannot be a calling now come on guys even a pastor who is the one maybe he's the one that preaches every sunday that is not his calling a service is simply a celebration so many of us run away and say no i'm not called i am called to the corporate i am i'm, I'm meant to be a, um, in the corporate yes that's fine that's fine so this morning i want to you know they, they talk about someone said to me i was telling them about building kingdom focused businesses and someone says oh if you're saying that all of us are called to um ministry then what about those that are going to take the seven mountains of influence i'm like i never said that i never said that everybody's going to come and preach on a sunday there are some people who have a better word than pastor mu myself pastor fred Pastor Zena, all of us put together but guess what maybe they are not called to stand on the pulpit who agrees yeah maybe they are not called to stand on the pulpit does it then take away their calling from them no it doesn't there are many places that they can penetrate that i can never get to there are many people they can get to maybe they are even the ones that do one 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 you know one on one contact and everybody they come in contact with boom becomes born again there's this friend of mine he's very intense about the things of god he says you cannot be my friend if you're not born again He says, you cannot be my friend. I'm sorry. And it's not me being judgmental. If you tell me, I'll ask you, are you a Christian? If I meet someone you are you a Christian? You tell me no. Or you tell me yes, but I'm just, you know, he says, today you must give your life. And he means every word of it. And guess what? When he said it, I believed it wasn't coming from a place of overzealousness or judgment. I believe that that that's his calling. So every single person he touches becomes born again. Because he carries the fire of God. He says, you cannot be my friend and not be born again. It's not going to happen. How? So he will tell you, you will, be, you will be laughing. He will tell you, you will be born again. It's only a matter of time before the person is tongue-speaking, Bible-believing, going to church, more fervent than him. And yet, he has never stood on an altar. He has never made an altar call. He has never preached a sermon, To as far as I'm aware. But is he preaching in his calling? Yes, he is. And so when we talk about the seven mountains, there's family. Do you know that there are people whose role is to restore the order of family the way that God designed it not the way we see now where all manners of craziness is allowed in our society people are getting into open marriages it's like what is good for the goose is good for the gander so because the goose wants to play we turn a blind eye when the gander is playing yes and i'm telling you this for a fact There are people indulging in all manners of craziness, desecrating their homes, orgies, crazy things. In the name of a woke generation, in the name of freedom, in the name of don't be old school, be modern contemporary, times have changed, seasons have changed. Do you know there are people that are called to restore the order of family? Where a family unit, the way God designed it, would become on what's the word city set on a hill magnified for all to see and people will convert it again and say ah this is how i would like my family to be this is how i would like my family to be are you aware that even religion or christianity spirituality has been desecrated and god is calling us back again to the way that he designed it and that's why do you know what i personally believe that that time of the big men of god has gone away i personally believe that's why we are not able to replicate the likes of you know the kumi the Idahosas, no matter how many fancy sem- services you do the lights and sounds and the fizzy that you do the number stays the same because now god is operating people and i'm not talking about operating from your church operating you from your seat to the place where you are actually a minister. Imagine the effect it would have if, whether there are how many, however many we are in this room, every single one of us is influencing five people to a life in Christ. Do we need to be one thousand in this church? No. The measure of our power is not in the number of people. It's not. Someone said to me once that, oh, she feels like her church has no power. I said, okay, why do you say so? She said, oh. I said, give me an example. Oh, she I can't really explain it. And then she gave me an example of a prayer meeting where somebody levitated from their seat and said that that was spa. And I said, wow. Really? I said, what does the Bible speak about God? Very simple. You see, the message of Christianity is very simple. We are the ones that complicate it because we are looking for that jim 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 gym, that hey, people are falling under, that anointing are rolling on the floor, and someone is saying, that me. The Lord said to tell you. Thus said the Lord, that contract, you're going to get it. (laughs) While we're at it, right? (laughs) It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, right? But that is no power. That is no power, guys. That is no power. What does God say? Very simple message. Christianity is very simple. Love, the greatest commandment of all is love is your sister going through a problem and you've held their hand and prayed for them you don't have money to give them it's okay you held their hands and genuinely prayed for them from the depth of your heart and cried out to god for mercy on their behalf have you seen someone who's hungry and you bought an extra loaf of bread and you give them have you seen someone who was on the brink of death suicidal and you went and snatched them from the claws of death have you seen someone where there's no joy and sorrow in their, there's no joy in their life because of life situations and circumstances and you take them on a journey with you until they arrive in god in the place of restoration have you seen a place where the sick get healed the poor get fed the blind see. And I'm not only talking about physical sight. I'm talking about the ability to take a man to a place where he sees a new version of himself. And he sees God. Sight is not just a physical sight. Vision. It's, they see a new vision for their lives. That is power. It's not about levitating off your seat. So many of us then feel, I'm not called because I don't have that kind of power to pray or to run a service and people are rolling on the floor therefore i'm not called and so we are judging power by our carnality instead of spirituality so do you know that you can take that mountain in the place of the spirit then what about business You talk about marketplace apostles, people that are able to prophetically speak into the into the economy. Let me tell you something: a lot of the people that are forecasters, right, trend analysts, and people that do scenario planning, they are operating under the power of word of knowledge and prophecy. Prophecy—they just don't know. Are you aware that God can give a man a gift even when he's not spiritual, when he's not giving his life? Are you aware? Because God does not take back his gift from his people are you aware because think about it the accuracy with which those people predict the economies and they will tell you there will be a recession and this is why they they look at patterns. they'll tell you that they've looked at patterns they looked at trends they've looked at all of those things rubbish they are operating under a prophetic gift that is their calling they just haven't given their lives and it's our responsibility to make sure that they know that there's a power that gave them that power so, having a form of godliness but denying his power thereof because they don't know any better. Many of us know, simply because we we're born in Christian families. I'm almost certain that if the way the world was wrong was that our parents were not supposed to force us, allow us to make choices like they are doing now. Say, don't, there are people who are angry now when you put the sex of a child on a birth certificate. They said, no, let the child grow up and choose their own sex by themselves. That is the world that we live in. So I many of us here, if our parents left us to our own devices, many of us here will not be in the faith. Many of us will not be in the faith. We started off in the faith because of our parents. We didn't know any better. We could have been in Buddhism. We could have been in any other religion. Because we, we, if we like somebody, if the person is someone that is aspirational, you know, we admire them. There's a tendency that we will follow them to that thing that they do and say, this is where they power. So are you aware that these people are preaching under the word of knowledge? So you, as a believer... You might never hold this mic one day because you're just not called. to. It's not your thing. Maybe you feel like you don't have eloquence. Maybe you feel like you are shy. But do you know that in your organization where you work, the Lord can tell you something about your organization. And He will tell you because if that company has problems and it goes kaput, you and everybody else is out of a job. And the families are also going to be impacted. So the Lord will give you a word about your company. But what do many of us do? Nothing, because we say we are Christians, but we have not actually demonstrated the life of the, the life of Christ where we work. So we do not have the audacity and temerity, as we say in Nigeria, to go and say to your MD, "Thus says the Lord." Maybe not in those words, but to say, "I believe." Let me give. I have, I'm coming up with a strategy document or whatever, and this is what I think. This is why I think so. And the Lord will give you the words, the words, the business words to use to articulate it. The first time, they might not believe you. They might not necessarily follow, especially um, based on your, what's it called, your position and your rank in the organization. But guess what will happen? When that thing does not go to plan, if they go outside of what you said, somebody will take note. They might not say anything. The next time, by the time it's an established pattern, somebody will say, how did you know? I'm telling you stuff that has happened before. I'm telling you experientially. Somebody will say, how did you know that thing? And then you tell them, I saw it in a dream and in a vision. And they'll say, eh, really? Like, yeah, I did. They'll say, ah, okay. There's nothing that people like more than that thing. Suddenly, they will start paying attention to you. People like it. People are attracted to word of knowledge and prophecy. Whether or not you like it. So as a believer, why can we not use it in business? So when you say, I'm not called, who said so? god can give you a dream or vision about your organization god can tell you you know at the point where you're about to hire somebody the spirit of the lord will just drop in your spirit don't hire the person even when the person meets everything on paper you go against it six months in you people are in litigation with that person or can behavior poison and toxin to your organization they not be saying hi i made a mistake let me tell you something my entire career never done the wrong hire never done the wrong hire because i don't rely on pay i don't look at people's resumes i look at it only because i'm supposed to look at it i'm like eh, okay once i see just the basic basic it's okay the rest of it i'm relying on the spirit of god so guess what how do i influence interview panels i would dog i would stand firm and say no this is why this person will be hired i'll be i'll be defending the person and they'll be wondering do you know her from anywhere or do you know him from anywhere i said no I've never met them before. Ask them if they know me. They don't know me from anywhere. But I'm telling you that this is the right person for this organization. Luckily, and that's why I struggle if I don't work with the key decision maker of an organization. Because if there are three people between me and him or her, they will dilute my message before it gets to the person. Do you understand? Therefore, it will not have power. Because that is my office. I'm a marketplace apostle, so that is my office, so it is expedient for me to be seated at the table of whoever makes the decision, not because I'm courting any favor. Actually, let me tell you the truth, I've actually never been promoted in any job, I've had to leave to get my promotions, so it's not like I'm courting any favor, but it is required and necessary. I'll tell you something that happened, when I used to work in aviation, um, we used to do this thing called um, psychometric test, psychometric test, yeah? Um, And so they'll do a whole series of tests. And then the final stage is a psychometric test. By the time they are going to psychometric test, I already know the people that are going to be bad for the organization. I already know. It doesn't matter what their scores are. It doesn't matter. They used to do a pilot simulation test called the Wombats, all the other funny, funny thing. It doesn't matter. I already know. Sometimes it's one careless word. Sometimes the body language, sometimes just the spirit of a god that will whisper in my ear. So I'll say, so I used to do this thing. I'll say, let me test this thing out it's fun to to play with word of knowledge so let me test this thing out they'll go and take their test. their reports will come back spot on the test eh the way they write the reports the doctor will write this person has psychotic tendencies <laughs> i'm not joking So of those reports, if people see they will not be very happy they say this person has a narcissistic personality this person will not thrive well in a team this person um, has a tendency to have psychological problems in the future that can uh, impact their decision-making process i'll say okay we'll make a decision and choose whoever based on whatever parameters do you know what then I i used to continuously check six months in the person has been there long enough <laughs> spot on not only was my initial prediction correct their psychometric test was correct and their behavior subsequently was correct so if i'm standing in my office i'm called to the marketplace and i'm telling an organization don't choose this person don't and they don't listen do you understand or i know and i'm silent and the organization chooses the person then i have walked outside of my calling and then on sunday i'll come and pick the mic here i'm hey shake see god will say look at this one is that what I sent you to do? You know that scripture that says that he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Simply because you walked outside of your assignment and outside of your calling. So you say you don't want to hold the mic. What are you doing in your organization? Education. I saw a curriculum recently that had me shaking. It was about 20 or 30, who's in education space here? About 20 or 30, um, What it called, modules that children in, in, in schools in England had to go through. I wish I had it to put on the screen. It was ridiculous. There was everything from... Um, just, just name it. Just, just name it. it, it basically, the curriculum was set up such that by the time you were done, there is no reason on this earth why you believe that Adam should marry Eve. Nothing. It was everything about alternative lifestyles, everything about alternative... Um, everything alternative to the design that god had created every single thing about it and i think it was even almost compulsory i don't know how many of the models were compulsory and so when we are running and taking our kids to schools abroad please we have to be careful i'm not saying don't do that because i know the state of our educational system is in a bad state but you know what maybe your calling is to fix it so we don't have to go to a place where we don't have any influence and we're not able to change that perhaps if we fixed it Perhaps if we did, then we won't have a need to send our children outside the country and then leave them exposed. Do you know how many families I know where their children are dealing with drugs? Their children are dealing with alcoholism. They have run from one center to the other spending thousands and thousands of dollars that we're supposed to spend in school fees on therapy. Do you know how many families where the children have gone away and married same sex and even disowned their parents because their parents came crying and falling on the floor and saying you have disgraced me do you know so if we fixed it if our calling is to the education space why are we sending our children abroad why are you waiting for a pulpit why are you not designing a curriculum that is wholesome that is that speaks about the principles of the kingdom that teaches children how to think for themselves and make right decisions. How to, why are we not operating in that space? And we are saying I'm not called simply because you're not standing on the pulpit. What about arts and culture and the media? What are we doing? What is the content that is out there? Big Brother Nigeria, right, is a 2.5 billion naira show. 2.5 billion naira. Let me tell you something. All of us say, many of us say, if we were told to come and take one contract, then we will take it. Am I lying? Let's not lie. We will we'll take it. We will say, I'm not the one in the house. I'm not the one that is naked or having sex. Abi? Why am I saying this? It's a big industry. But what about us creating content that is even as big or bigger? Or creates opportunities for employment and contracts or whatever for believers or for, for faith-based Principles, but nothing exists in a, a vacuum. So, if the right content is not there, any content will take its place. If you don't arise to your position, a fake an imitation would arise to your position. And so, we sit and judge it from the sidelines, right? Instead of studying how they've done it, which is what I do. I said to someone, Why are we complaining about it? I said, Listen, you go into Big Brother House in a space of I don't know, how many days is it? 90 days or something like that, right? Somewhere, somewhere around there. You come out with 2 million, 1 million, 2 million followers. It therefore means that there are at least 1 million people that are under the sound of your voice. Do I know 100 people? I don't. I, do I know 1,000 people? So that post that we are posting about faith and God and all of those things, Social media will not even allow up to 6% of your 1,000 followers to see it. Meanwhile, somebody who has nothing to offer the world, nothing will go. Because they have a big platform, they will speak. And when they speak, it will be received. And so instead of us judging, right, the content, what about we are looking at the back end of how they are able to build an industry like that? Are you understanding what I'm coming Because it's just see the framework is the same the framework is the same the structures are the same the content is what is different what about the back engine of how that thing was done how do you take a message and make it viral how do you take a person who carries a kingdom message and make them viral so that their word their message from can get to the ends of the earth can get to the ends of this nation transforming life and changing people so if you're not called to the pulpit that's fine like i said i just want us to change our mindset today and start to understand that every single thing about our life is a calling we are all in full-time ministry whether or not we like it the day that we said that we are believers except that we are not interested in partnering with god on this restoration agenda and when we say we are believers it means that we are christ-like we do as christ did and what did christ do he came to redeem the lost so if we say that we are christians and the measure of our christianity is the amount of prayers and fasting that we have done and saying i hear people say "Eh, it's not about me standing on the pulpit i know my relationship with god nobody is saying that you don't have a good relationship with god but what does it translate to nobody around you is transformed nobody around you knows god it's just about me and god when i when i go into my prayer closet the lord speaks to me me and him are close he understands me and that's where it ends and we are okay with that and we even talk about it and brag about it there's nobody transformed around you you say me and my god we know each other we understand each other and that is okay but after that is done there is a sending. There is something that needs to be done. There is a requirement. Response to a call is a verb. It means you get up and do. I don't like to preach. I don't like it. I, it, I, I feel like it, every time someone calls me, I, I know when he's about to call me that it's my turn to preach. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, ah, people, I start looking for all the excuses. And I say, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Shaking and trepid. Checking in trepidation up until the moment, but I have an understanding that it is my responsibility, and so let me tell you, you have to desire it because the truth is that God is going to judge us the gifts, the talents, the knowledge, the content, everything that He gave to you that you kept inside your mind and say, God knows me, He knows my heart. Like we all say, He's going to judge you, like the story of the talents, He said, What did you do? what did you do with your five what did you do with your one what did you do with your ten he will judge us whether or not we like it because he's a god of love but he's also the god of justice and so you have to desire it you have to covet it you have to ask god show me how i don't want to do this thing he knows you he knows your limitations he knew the limitations of gideon he knew the limitations of moses he knew the limitations of jonah every single one of them And so it's okay to be vulnerable and say, Lord, I don't really want to do this. I don't even know how to do this. I don't have what it takes to do this. But Lord, you know what? All I'll bring you is my obedience. And with that obedience, do what you will do with it. When he told Peter to come, he could have done like this and Peter would have, would have, um, what's it called? Transport, would have just flown over or whatever. And landed there, but he told Peter, "Walk on water." So there's a a there's an action, a verb that is required of us when God calls us. We must take the first step, not knowing where we are going to land. I have not seen where God shows somebody the entire blueprint from day one. All you need to do is baby steps of obedience. Your hand really small like this, okay? Then then okay. How do you do it? I don't know. But all I'm doing is I'm bringing you by obedience, God. Use it. You know, it says um, in Matthew that if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and suffers the loss of his soul? What will it gain us if at the end of time, all our striving and chasing and pursuit and hustle translates to nothing in God? And so this morning, I'm making an invitation to everyone to be desirous of responding to the call of God. And that the Lord will show us what he needs us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, the second thing is our motives. What are our motives? You know, we came to it, there was a particular time and season where I don't know if anyone remembers, where it suddenly became cool to be Christian. Who remembers? It was like, "I have a good job, you know, I'm married, I have a nice house, I have a car. The next thing to just complete the equation is I'm a Christian. And um, I made this in my church. I made that in my church. Who remembers? I seem to be the one who remembers all the same. You remember? Yes, there was a time. Me, you remember that time? It became very cool. So people will tell you people will actually tell you wait i'm just waiting to get married when i get married uh-huh, i can now add this christianity something to it because it makes us look complete yeah it makes us look complete do you understand it makes us look, look, look complete but you know what responding to the call with ulterior motives is as good as not responding to the call responding to the call with ulterior motives see god judges the intents of our heart he knows each and every one of us he knows when we've genuinely made a mistake he knows when we really want to do something but our heart is not there he knows he knows we can't hide from him we can hide from man we can pretend we can act we can perform we can do all of those things but god knows the intentions of our hearts you see hannah remember the story of hannah when she was praying Pray for a child lord i don't have a child every year she will go lord i don't have a child if only you give me a child It wasn't because she had understood what she needed to do. Sure, you know. It was simply because Penina was laughing at her and mocking her every single time and bullying her and saying, "Mm, You don't have a child. So it was almost to prove a point that I too can have children. Until the day her mindset changed and she understood that what she was supposed to carry was a seed for God. It says, Samuel. No greater prophet than Samuel, one of the greatest prophets. Until she came to that understanding, that was when she got her answer. And so when we come to God, we motive, when we come to God because we think that, oh, finally we'll get a chance to be on stage, we'll get a chance to, you know, dress like the minister, we'll get a chance to be recognized, get honorarium, you know, get the front seats when we go to a church. All of those things that we have now put together as paraphernalia of office, right, in ministry. Until we get to the place where we understand, that say people will now respect me and now add pastor to your name. Let me tell you something, eh? That name, pastor, eh, is just—I don't know how to describe it. It's just—it's just a way of um, differentiating between the the leader. But every single one of us here is a pastor. Are you aware? every single person and i'm not talking about ordination i'm not talking about that after i talked about the fivefold ministries right some of us are teachers prophets all of them will still be called pastor many times although now there are all these different titles but you understand where i'm coming from so you think that oh finally i'm going to get the respect that i deserve right that's your motive or i think i'm now old enough to say that i'm a pastor like i used to say to people that when i got to 10 years of marriage i said so i said uh-huh, i'm now qualified to give marriage advice <laughs> but you know what what i was saying in year 10 was what i was saying to my married friends when i was single it had nothing to do with my marital status but i felt like they won't receive it if i'm telling them now they say you just got married yesterday calm down joe when you see so if you can cross year five you'll be all right i have seen people on year 18 and they've packed up i've seen people on year 18 they have packed up i've seen people 25 are talking about packing up so you see it has nothing to do with the number of years you have been married married but it has to do with what the spirit of the lord and what he tells you about marriage simple things about conflict resolution sacrifice love understanding you don't need to be married to give marital advice you know that you don't if the Lord has truly given you that message and that's what you're called to, what about people that are teaching people about marriage and somehow they've just never been married? Are you saying that they should not operate in their calling? So, what are our motives? Because God is going to judge it. He's going to judge it. And so, our motive must be right in God. You see, but if you're looking for the right motive to serve God, I'm tell, I'll tell you some or to respond to the call. It says in Hebrews, is that we're aligning with superior powers. Let me tell you something. Eh? We live in a deep, dark world. If only we can see the things that operate eh, in this world, many of us will be too afraid to leave our homes. And nobody is running empty-handed. I can tell you that for free. Nobody. You are either in God or you're inside something. Many people that you see. Many people. They will tell you in organizations that there are certain levels you cannot get to, except you have entered something. It's not possible. Especially big organizations. They will say, how? They are set. you must blend for you to get into those levels. You must. Or when you get into those levels, they will take you and go and blend you. You know what blending is? Ah, I seem to be, hey, God. (laughs) Somebody here must know what blending is. (laughs) Don't pretend. Even people don't know. (laughs) Blend is basically when you join. When you join. Do you understand? When you join. Eh? (laughs) Uh, When you join. Do you understand? Exactly. When you join the caucus. Exactly. They will take you. They will take you to go and blend right nobody's running empty-handed and so responding to the call of god is you aligning with superpowers you are aligning to the power of the high god the holy most god the, i don't even know what word used to call him the almighty god the one who made the heavens and the earth the one who with his words created every single thing the one with the snap of his finger can bring an end to every single thing that is going wrong but he requires you as a partner with him on this assignment since we are receiving a kingdom that can never be shaken so when you are in the kingdom of God, you can never be shaken. Troubles will come, you still be standing firm. People will be wondering, why are you still smiling? Didn't you hear what happened to you? You say, uh-huh, I heard so. God is still God. God will still be God. Even if my world fails, God will still be God. Even if everything falls apart, God is. Still... if my child dies, God will still be God. If I lose all my money, God will still be if my house burns, God will still be God. It does not change anything because this world is not my home. I am heavenly bound and I represent the kingdom of light. Is that not a power to align with why do you want to align with weakness why if that's not a strong enough motive for you what about the fact that our response to our call fixes a problem and we are truly people of impact that leg- that leave a legacy where five generations down the line they will spe- still be speaking about us the people that we study in history are people that did something in their generation and they left impact impact it's not about how much money they had, but it's about what they did. What about the fact that our response to a goal solves a need, solves a problem? What about the fact that our response to the call causes others to glorify God? Have you heard a testimony where you were the one on the floor with your hands raised and say, Father, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you, Jehovah. A woman that I know, she said 14 years. They had told her from when she got married that she would never be able to have children. I don't know why, what had happened, or if she was, if there was I don't know the details. But they told her she would never be able to have children. Her husband is a pastor. She's also in, in, in ministry. And for 14 years, they would do, you know, baby dedications. They would pray for couples. They would go and visit people that have had babies. They would do all of these things. And the enemy would mock them. And people would mock them and say, look at you. You can never have children. In June, she gave birth to twin boys. She gave birth to twin boys. When you hear that kind of testimony, is it not you that raise up your hand and rejoice on behalf of God? i just say, God, thank you for all that you have done. Do you know that our response to the calling can cause people's hearts to have hope again and to believe God again? Do you know how dark it is to live without hope? Do you know how dark and scary? to live without hope meanwhile we know the hope of our calling we know and then we are silent because we are waiting for the right time the right season the right job the right town the right city the time will never be right never be right there will always be something battling for your time for your attention for your resources always the time will never be right and so what you do is that you just say, you know what, let's just be doing it anyhow. Let's be roughing it and going. Anything, let's just go. All oh, God is asking for is your obedience. All oh, God is asking for. And if that's still not good enough motive for you, what about the fact that God rewards you? He says that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I have never seen anybody who has truly been in God responding to their calling and God has not rewarded them. And we need to change our mindset about reward. We think about reward in monetary terms. My sister will tell you that money is the lowest denominator of wealth. Have you seen people that from their little, they will be giving you? From their little. I remember this family growing up. They didn't have a lot. They didn't have a lot at all. They were so self-sufficient, so content. There were three children, man and his wife. Every time they see us, they will take some, they'll give us. they will give us money. I remember the last time I saw them, um, I think I just come back from London or so. And they carried, they took 5,000 naira and gave me. I was bawling when I came back from London. Eh? I had money. Eh? <laughs> it's not now that the troubles of life are responsibilities. I had money now. Do you know I was a 20 something year old girl? I was earning 3,000 pounds, both in pounds and in naira. It was a lot of money, man. They took 5,000 naira and gave me. Kai, do you know how that thing made me feel? I tell you, eh, that, that actor eh, is one of the singular reasons why I'm generous today. I was like, what? I should be the one, even if I'd given them 20, 20 pounds at that time. That would have been small money now. That would not even buy me one pair of shoes. Do you understand where I'm coming from? They were like, ah, welcome back. I hear you're moving to Lagos. I said, my parents live in port I, So I just came for like a week before moving back to Lagos. They said, yes, yeah. so we said, I'll oh, we'll go with you. They took 5,000 naira, put it in an envelope, and they gave me. Ha! do you know how that thing touched me? In fact, the God put them to my, to my remembrance and said, it's time for you to pay back. He <laughs> said, it's time for you to pay back, and I'm going to do it. He said that 5,000 era, it's time for you to pay back. And of course, you know, it's not 5,000. No, know God, is not going to tell me to give 5k. <laughs> so now I will pay back. Do you understand? So, God rewards those who serve Him. God rewards those who respond to His call. God rewards. The third thing is responsibility. We don't know what we like it, even if you don't feel like it. If we have to drag you screaming and shouting, you better do it you see pastor Zena always uh, plenty of people in church now tell them to somebody else to pray tell somebody else to do benediction tell somebody else to she will say they are not willing i'm coming back to the same people over and over again because people are not willing today let me tell you something i don't care if you want to do it from a place of responsibility just do it just do it as you start to do it you will see the joy that you feel and as you start to do it, God will continue to give you strength. You will start desiring it. Means, you know, fake it till you make it is a real thing. Even in the body of Christ, you better fake it until you make it. Yes, because it's for a good reason. As long as your motives are right with God, which is that Lord, I don't feel like doing this thing, oh, but I'm just going to obey. Joshua, help me. Do you understand? So even if from a from place of responsibility, you have to get up and do it. How can we be at rest in Zion when there is so much decadence all around us, everywhere around us? Nothing is working. Nehemiah heard, go to Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah 1. When he heard about what had happened in the city, give me Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. said, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Shizvel, in the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, the citadel, keep going, keep going, fast, fast, fast. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came to me, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burnt with fire. So they brought a bad report. Next. And I said, I, I pray Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, put it all on the screen. Please let your ear be attentive and your ears open that you may hear the prayer of your servants, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned before you we have acted very corruptly against you and we have not kept your commandments the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant moses remember i pray that the word you commanded your servant moses saying if you are unfaithful i will scatter you amongst the nations but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them though some of you were cast out to the fullest part of the heavens yet i will gather them from there and bring them to the place where i have chosen as a dwelling for my name he said now these are your servants and your people who you are redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servants and to the, and, and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper, prosper this night, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. If I was the king's cupbearer. He could have heard it and said, hey, yeah, uh, thank God I'm not there. I'm okay. Everything is fine with me but he woke up and he was praying to god to give him favor with the king because he was going to ask for permission to rebuild the city again so how can we be at ease in zion how can we be comfortable with the fact that there is moral decadence everything around us is broken down systems are broken down schools are broken down family life is broken down Art and entertainment is broken down absolutely everything is broken down and we say okay i am not indulging you're not indulging, but you're not creating an alternative. How can we be at ease in Zion? And so, if it has to come from a place of responsibility, I really don't care. I think you should still do it regardless. And say, you know what? It's not everything that I do because I want to. Some things I do because it's a responsible thing to do. And it is required of you to do it. And so, you do it onto the place where, you know what? You start to enjoy it because you know that it does something for the kingdom. The fourth thing i want you to think about is how you're going to be equipped to do the work that the lord has called us to do to respond to our call there's an equipping that is required and now that's where our prayer and our fasting and the word and all of those things come into play you can never see a man or woman birth anything without a groaning in the spirit You can never come to a place where you are preaching in the fullness of your power, the fullness of your calling, except you have gone on your knees before God and said, Lord, show me how. Because there are mountains before me. I cannot surmount these mountains on my own. The systems are always going to be against me. See, once you say that you are a believer, already the systems of the world are going to rise up against you, straight up. Because they'll say, this one is going to put some sand in our Gary. So don't let them know. I remember one time they wanted to let somebody go in my organization. And guess what they said? They said, make sure which is the last to know. Why? Why did they do that? Was I offended? No, I was very flattered. Do you know why I was flattered? Why? It meant that I was going to ask them, why are you doing it? I need to know what they have done. And maybe if it's not, if it's a victimization, I was going to fight it. Regardless of whether the person was my friend or not. I remember somebody that had been gotten, gotten a query from my MD. And he, he want, I think he wanted her gone, to be honest. other things that happened in the past. And this query was quite strong. And I didn't really like this lady. I won't lie to you. She was very hardline. She was very... I don't call her that, but people can say she was mean to people. She was very hardline in her behavior. And so she came to me that day and said, no, I think I was copied in on that query. And I came to her and I said, don't worry i'm going to help you respond to this query she must have been shocked out of her mind because guess what in that particular circumstance she had not really done anything that warranted a termination. she may have done something in the past but i'm not god, i'm not keeping count why am i judging her if she has made her peace with god and god has forgiven her who am i to bring her sins forward again what might say, eh, "Hey, good for you! Finally, they've got you. That's how you always behave." In that, I had to, be, because I represent the kingdom of God. In that particular moment, I had to judge the case on its merit. And from where I was standing, she had not done anything that deserved determination. So, guess what? I responded to her query. I took my time and I, cra- oh, I'm good with my words. I crafted this response. And somebody said to me, "I'm actually surprised that you're helping her." I would have thought that you would be the one that I would say off with her head. And I said, no, why? What, what did she do in this instance? She didn't do anything. It doesn't have anything to do with how I feel about her. <clears throat> but if I say I represent the kingdom of life, light, which is what? Love, justice, peace, righteousness. How can I stay and see that kind of unfair behavior happen? And I'll sleep well at night. So there's an equipping that is required. God will give you boldness courage audacity excellence the words everything that is needed for you to operate in your calling regardless of which mountain of influence that you've decided to take everything that is required do you know that the lord can tell you he can just give you an understanding of something an understanding of have you seen people talk about dissect the economy and you'll be looking at the person i'm wondering ah, i need to go back to school Do you think that is all from their own intellect? Especially when I see Christians do it. It doesn't come from their own intellect, it comes from God. So there's an equipment that is required in the place of prayer. There's a place of prayer where you stay with God. You stay with God until you hear Him. You stay with God until you hear Him. Like you literally hear His voice give you specific instructions. And I promise you, every believer can experience it. Every single believer. Every single believer. I am changing jobs in a couple of weeks and I had to go through a series of interviews for that job. Do you know that before every stage, I saw exactly what was going to happen? The people that would be antagonistic, I saw it. I might not know the exact questions or that one didn't happen, but I would see the the scenario, the setting. Even when I was going to have network issues and it was going to make me, um, what's it called, unsettled because it was all virtual. I saw it in a dream, in a vision that can only come from a place of prayer and staying with god do you think that god cannot give us a way to redeem the nation back to bring back justice to our to our country to fix all the political problems that we have do you think that say the Word of the lord says that if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways they will hear from heaven and i will heal their land so except we are saying the word of the lord does not tell the truth and i believe every single line of scripture i believe every single line of scripture every single one that though it may not have happened i believe it and i get to the point where i say you know what if it doesn't happen for me it's gonna happen for another person but i believe that word of scripture i don't care as long as the bible has said it i hold on to it my friend said to me one day she said the word of the lord is like a talisman she said, you know the way people believe in that thing when they are doing those things? He said, she said, you hold it. You hold that scripture and you say it day and night, day and night until you start to leave it. You don't know any better. You, you, it, just, it, it just bubbles over from inside of you. She said day and night, 30 times, you chant it morning, noon and night, morning, noon and night, morning, noon and night until you believe it. So there's an equipping that is required because you cannot run on your own. If you try to do it from your own natural strength and understanding, what you will see is a performance, no power, no transformation. You will say, what did she say? She said many things. Has your life changed because of what she said or what he said? No. But in terms of the arrangement, it's very eloquent and very beautiful. If you do it in your own strength and understanding, if you do it without being equipped... And so in this season, God is going to be asking us who we are hanging out with. What voices are we listening to? Who is speaking to your spirit? What messages are you listening to? Is this the time for idle chatter? Is this the time for messages that will confuse you? Or is it the time for clarity? Is it the time when you are regurgitating what somebody else has said? Or is it the time when you are getting a new revelation and understanding of the word for yourself do you know that one scripture if all of us take it to god in prayer we can come out with 20 different interpretations of that word who knows that 20 because we are different so god is going to give you an interpretation based on the circumstances of your life your background your history your culture in a way that you can reach a particular set of people that I, i can never reach god will give it to pastor mo as though says the lord because of the office that he carries. God will give it to somebody like a joke in a co- different ways, different interpretations of the same word. So our equipping comes from God. It doesn't come from the number of it doesn't come from the number of meetings we attend. I have seen people that have prayed and fasted until they have turned to size zero. And still no power. No power. At the sign of the first trouble, they are a mess. I almost want to shake them. What is wrong with you? Like I don't understand. They say you don't understand what I'm going through. Why do I need to understand it? What about the fact that you have been in, you have been with God? What about see? You know what? Either way, you are in trouble at that point in time. Either way. So what about you decide? You know what? To just stand up and say, you know what? God is still God. What about you just decide to arise? So there's an equipping that is required where we actually stay with God in this season and we are hearing every single thing. God is constantly speaking. He never stops. He sends us coded messages in books, through people, on social media, through a message. Every single time God is speaking. The problem is we are not listening or we are waiting for him to tell him in the way that we have prescribed and say this is how God speaks to me. I remember last year. So most times, right? I would I will have a dream or a vision, I'll have a dream for something to happen. But then last year I said, God, you know what? Let's push this thing one level further. Let's push it. I am desirous that in the moment, I said there used to be a time that in the moment when I'm speaking to someone, something will drop in my spirit. But I don't know. Now I've become lazy. I'm waiting to lie down and sleep for you to tell me. Tell me now, in the moment. And guess what? Without, I've not even prayed for one hour. Which one hour? Sometimes it's one minute. I'll just say, Lord, tell me something as it concerns, Ibim. And he'll just tell me, to tell Ibim, it's okay. Don't worry, I got you. And then Ibim will be like, "Ah, how did you know? I'll say, because I heard it. Do you understand? That can only come from a place of staying with God. Then it becomes the overflow. All the things that you then see becomes the overflow. Right? He says, that we will lay up these words of mine in Deuteronomy 11. Lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontless between your, heart, your, your eyes. And in Proverbs he says, bind them continuously upon your heart and t- tie them around your neck. And it's in the word of Lord says Lord write your word upon my heart may i meditate upon it day and night day and night lord bring to my remembrance scriptures in the day someone has problems in the day of trouble in the day of calamity let me have the right words let me have the right scriptures that will impact that will convict that will stir up faith and hope again let me not be telling them from the world and saying yes you can let me be able to tap into the spirit realm and bring out a word from an overflow he says study to show yourself approved and so there's a studying that is required you don't just come and say they say okay let's say come and preach you just say when i just get there let me tell you something i've been times i've seen when i've done that and i'm sure everybody has done that especially if you just put on the spot but after a while god will say to you no come let me take you on a journey Study to show yourself approved. Study, let me show you new interpretations of this word. Let me show you another scripture somewhere in the New Testament that relates to this word. Let me show you what I was trying to explain when I wrote this word as it concerns you and your calling and your assignment. And so, there's an equipping that is required. In this season, the Lord is saying that we must covet the gifts of the Spirit. Every single one of us must covet the gifts of the Spirit. It is not a special gift that is given to those who have prayed for five days. Straight, dry fast. Then on the fifth day, the Holy Spirit now comes upon their head. And then suddenly, no. If you desire it truly, the Lord will give it to you freely. Ability to prophesy. I see people like, ooh, and I, when someone prophesies over them. Do you know that you can turn around and prophesy to the man that is prophesying over you? There are people who just want to take, take, take. I'm going for a meeting. I hope God has a word for me in that meeting. If they're not coming in your direction, you will change seats. and say, perhaps he's looking at the people on this side. If I stay on this side, she will see me. I see people when all these you know people that operate in the prophetic as their front office when they are around you see people coming. Ah, please 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 hi and please can you prophesy over me Why? why are we doing that why are we doing that and that's what now makes people start lying when you put them under pressure so that they will not say that you are a fake man of god then they don't god has not told them anything they will now just open their mouth and start saying something then you'll not be making mistakes in your life because of something that someone told you because of the duress that you put him or her under. When you yourself carry a prophetic gift and you've quenched it because you say you are not called. So in this season, right, make it a duty to demand from God the gifts of the Spirit. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, word of knowledge, prophecies, all of those things because they are for the equipping for the work of the Lord. We must desire it every single one of us because we cannot do it in our own strength and understanding it is very limited we cannot do so much very limited but if a man is able or a woman is able to look at you and speak into your future take you from your present and speak into your future based on something that the lord has told them even they will know in their heart of hearts that this one came from god and that's what brings transformation that's how the body of christ will get respect again one of the things we were saying when COVID happened was, ah, please, all of you keep quiet. Why didn't people see it? Why did people see? All people are always seen is I'll get a new contract. Why didn't people see that sickness was coming that would kill all of us? Now, all of a sudden, people are telling us interpretation of the end times. Do you know? The body of Christ was ridiculed really because we didn't see. We didn't see. And the truth is that I'm sure we saw. We just didn't really understand i know that people said specific things about a tough season is coming we're going to go through difficult times we'll have to push but i mean all sorts of things like that right but you see how they mock the body of christ because we're not operating in the gifts of the spirit then the fifth thing i want us to remember right is the people around you in this season god is going to Change your associations and your relationships. There are a lot of people that we are hanging out with, we have no business hanging out with. There are a lot of associations we have, we think that they are going to, they are going to help us. They are a stepping stone, and the Lord is saying, You are walking in your flesh, you are not walking according to my leading and my direction. There are friendships that God is going to circumcise, going to take away. Something will happen, and you will find that you just don't want that friendship anymore. Not quarrel, not quarrel. But it's just not—you're not desirous of that friendship anymore because you will stop and you will say, "What are you even doing to, in this life to help me? It, what value do you—you you ask—what value do you bring to my life?" I have a simple rule now, very simple, and I don't—if people say I choose my friends carefully, oh yeah, I don't have time, so I have to choose my friends carefully. If you're not taking me closer to God, you better be helping me make money. <laughs> yes, one choose one which must be useful for something. Because my money is going to go on assignment for the kingdom, so choose one. If you're not helping me, get closer to God. I'm not helping me make money. Is there space for you? There's no space for you, (laughs) and I'm very unapologetic about it. I'm sorry, because let me tell you: every table you sit, every conversation you have, is taking something away from you. It's desecrating you. It's changing your mindset. It's changing your beliefs. There are things now that I condone that five years ago I didn't used to condone it i i i was very sure what the lord said about it but by virtue of sitting on certain tables i had no business sitting on i'm like well you know the world is not so black and white there's a lot of gray areas i've seen people i know does it change i'm not judging them right what happened happened but does it change the word of the lord and so what's the point of that there are certain places you will no longer go i remember um um what's it called december 2018 in fact i was taking the service the next day but god had given me the word early in the week i had prayed over it fasted you know written out the word read scriptures gotten excited about it Done all the thing i was very happy and comfortable and then that saturday evening it was an end of year party of a company somebody invited me and very clearly i heard god say don't go and i started negotiating with god i said but why now i'm not going to come to anything anything bad it's a company end of year it's not as if it's club Do you understand? People are not going to be grinding against each other because it's a company end of year. So there'll be an element of uh, arranging yourself and decorum. Do you understand? I started negotiating with God. God, you know, he said, don't go. I said, but God, I have not seen this friend in months. I've not seen her, I think, almost the whole year. It would be a good chance for me to hook up with her. Okay, one hour. Just one hour, I will just show face. I said, well, God, I've been working so hard. You know, if I stay at home now, I'll just be working, working, working. I, I, let me just, just show face. I was negotiating with God. He hmm. said, okay, go. <laughs> <Cool>. Go. <laughs> cool. I got off. Huh? I dressed. <laughs> Slave <Slim> mama. <laughs> I remember what I was wearing. Short dress. The theme was, uh, what was the theme of that thing? Old school or something. I had one shine, shine dress like this. That I not had anywhere to wear. I said, today is the day, the dress. <laughs> it's your turn. I brought the dress out. The dress stopped here. I think here. Yeah. I said, it's not short, man. It's not that short. It's here. I wore it. <laughs> shine, bling. Had my hair, makeup on flick. I was looking cute. <laughs> I entered my car. First of all, four hours to get to a co-hotel. <laughs> there was nowhere to even turn back. i should remember that day. That day people got home at 3 a.m. Four hours for me to get to a co-hotel first. So already, I was already irritated, cranky. I just said, it's okay. If I just get there. Of course, they say, I told you not say, did not go. I was like, ah, calm down. It's not that serious. Everybody's facing this traffic. It's not It's, it's not about me. You know that kind of justify it. It's not about me. So just to show me that it was about me. So guess what happens? I get to a co-hotel gate. They said they closed the gate, that everywhere was full. That we should go to the entrance. I said, ah, how come? They said, tell them that we said people should come to the entrance, that this place is closed. So I go to the entrance. I didn't know that the three cars in front of me were the governor's convoy. I was Because I was on my phone. So guess what? They actually opened the entrance gate. The three cars go past. Me, I'm following them. The next thing I heard was this sound, eh? Sound of metal against metal. Who, who has said that, sound? When you're in a car, you're like, hey. And my husband is very finicky about cars. Like sometimes I have to tell him, "Please just give me Corolla to drive, small old, because I don't want this shawahala." The car, they raised the ramp. When I say, "eh," my front, eh. When I came out of the car, eh, I was like this, with my short dress, <laughs> looking silly. I just stood there, I got, and I hate if you if I hear if you complain, eh? Shadow, you know. So you know I was uh, saying, eh, traffic, everywhere there's traffic, so it's general for everybody. So it's not as if God punished me, God doesn't punish. But a- action, every action has a consequence. Do you understand? And sometimes for you to learn, you allow the consequence to happen so that your eye will clear. So now, do you think I disobey? If I don't go, eh, straight to. <laughs> I said there's a message I say I'm ah, sorry I can't make it again I'm really sorry I don't need to lie I'll just say I'm really sorry I can't make it again see eh God is constantly speaking one day I was going to the gym I go to the gym after work so most times I'll be wearing my flassy pass one day I'll say ah ah, 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 ah it's, it'd be nice to enter the gym like this now fully dressed like I'm ah, looking ah tapping that day just enter like this fully fully on point I came out of the car I, I wore the heels I came out of the car and I heard a very clear voice go back and remove that heel I said ah why now? Say just go back and remove the heels. It's not necessary now. You're going to go and change to gym wear. Go back and remove the heels. So I obeyed. Cause now I obey. I just went back, pulled the heels, wore the flats, and came back. As soon as I go to the reception, the guy says to me, "Hey, I'm sorry, ma'am. The lift is faulty. You're going to have to walk all the way up." <laughs> And I said, oh wow, are you serious? Who smiles when they say the lift is not working? He didn't understand. I was smiling because I was like, yes! <laughs> because trust me, I was not about to walk off all... I mean, I know I was going to the gym, but I don't used to start there. from the. Ground. <laughs> I get to the gym, we can start the gym. Walking off four flights with my, with my heels like this. No, nah, no, nah, there's no need now. And I had to walk all the way back to the car. Do you understand? So in this season, God is going to remove certain friendships from your life. And he's going to put new ones, dry people. People that don't look like who you want to hang out with. But they are there for a time and a season. There are some people, eh? If they offend me, it's me that will tell them, sorry. I'm telling you. Like Pastor Zika. It's me that will tell them, sorry. Because I know that they are spiritually minded people. And when I'm around them, my gifts are stirred up. Do you understand? I'm excited about God. So when they offend me, it's me that will say, sorry. Because I desire their friendship, their relationship. I don't want to be out of line i want to be in the company of believers many of us we are the only believing friend in our group of friends and yet nothing they are the ones influencing us we are not influencing them you are saying that oh after all jesus used to hang with sinners but jesus used to hang with sinners and what used to happen there was a transformation that was happening for each and every one of them and then transformation the final thing that the lord is saying is that there must be an evidence of your calling. People need to see that. Not you're not going to tell people with your mouth, "I am called." No, and walk, change your steps, and say, "I'm now called. I am now apostle self." Please address me by Reverend, Deaconess. No, by themselves, people will respect you by themselves. Because they see the transformation that that happens by virtue of your calling. They see that you are truly a country through which God's work is done. So where is your transformation? The next time somebody tells you I am called, ask them, where is your transformation? Whose life is better because of you? Who has come out of darkness and depression because of you? Who is a better version of themselves because of you? Who has found a job because of you? who is out of penury because of you how can people be around you year in year out nothing changes in their lives and you feel like they are there to serve you come on where is the transformation in the lives of people it is a transformation that gives you your ranking and your authority and the honor that you crave whether or not you like it nobody will tell you people by themselves will give you that honor and respect by virtue of the transformation that they see because you are operating in your calling i remember you know sometimes i'll be in meetings where i'll be asking myself i'm not supposed to be in this meeting but i'm there because they know that i will speak and i will say something that helps that changes the mindset that moves things forward people will say oh thank god you're now here because i know that this thing could not have happened under your watch or they'll tell somebody, someone will tell a story, and I'll say, ah Where was that when it happened? They say, ah, You were not here now. Ah, if, you were here, if you were here, it could not have happened. And if you know how scared, how much of a scaredy cat I am, you will understand that this thing has nothing to do with me, but with God. I may leave and let live person. I may don't rock the boat person. I may, do you know what? I used to say, until one day, the Lord rebuked me. I used to say, Shade persons are an adult. They should be doing foolishness if they want to, which one consignment is in my life. I said that all the time. I will see friends doing. Disgusting things, and I'll say, listen, I'm not judging their life. Eh, me and them are friends because we connect on a family level. They are adults; they can do whatever they like. Until one day, the Holy Spirit rebukes me and said, "So a lost soul, you are saying the person can keep getting lost when you know any better." I'm not saying come and bash the Bible over their head, but what about saying to them, "Is this necessary? Can I show you a better way? Can I show you how me I've done it that I didn't have to do that?" Can I not show you that God is able to fix this problem for you? Why are you reliant on the world that will fail you or will do it and come calling for their pound of flesh? Because the the, the world always calls for his pound of flesh. And so I had to change my mindset to realize that everybody around me, there must be a transformation. Whether the person is a domestic staff, whether the person is a professional staff that works with me, whether it's someone I'm doing business with, and i said lord you know what i don't want to compromise let me be able to stand and say you know what i didn't compromise anywhere so you know what take away opportunities from me that will cause me to grieve the heart of to grieve the the heart of, of god and the holy spirit so where's the transformation are you desirous to see change have you seen a man who's at the end of his life there is no hope no hope But you just decide that this one will not be lost. And then daily, you are praying over the person. Daily, you are declaring over the person. Daily, you are helping one thing or the other. You are making phone calls. You are doing something. Until the day the person can say, you know what? My life is better now. And you had something to do with it. That's what we were boasting. Not in the number of cars, our title, our position at work. Absolutely nothing that. Absolutely nothing that. And so, my final words. <sighs> What's that thing that God has been telling you to do that you've been making excuses for because of all the things I said? How many times is it going to come knock, knocking? What's the first thing that you're going to do? It's just say, Lord, here I am, send me. That's all. And as you respond with obedience, then God will now start to show you. God will start to open up the doorways. God will start to send people to you. God will start to show you scriptures. God will start to show you what to do. Every single step of the way until you get to the place of the fulfillment of your assignment. And then that's when you truly, truly experience peace. When you wake up and say, you know what? There's peace in my heart because the Lord is on my side. Because the Lord is on my side. And the Lord can look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so this morning, if you know that the Lord has called you, this is not an altar call to give your life. This is God has called you to something, anywhere, any sphere. But you've been reluctant, you've been unwilling, you've been confused, you don't know which way to go, or you've packed it and said, I'm coming. There's someone I know who says that many years ago, he, he, got, got, um, he, he was going to die, the he, body he wasn't capsided. And he saw him. He couldn't swim, and he saw himself being taken by the waves. I think he was about twelve at the time. And he said, "A big, mighty hand, with um, light emanating from it, held him and threw him on shore." And other people, a couple of other people on that boat, died. And they kept asking him, "How did you get to shore?" And he said, "I don't know," because he, he was too afraid to tell them what had happened in case they thought he was lying. He was young. He said, I don't know. But he says that he saw a big, massive hand just scoop him up from the water and took him to the shore. And then one day God told him, you're going to have the ability to raise the dead. And guess what? He has refused to respond to that call. And so now when somebody dies, he cannot go, he cannot go to a funeral. Service of songs, funeral. Because every time he goes there, what happens to him? Koboku. The Holy Spirit is flogging him and saying, see, maybe this one you would have raised from the dead. Maybe it was even just one in his lifetime he was supposed to do. But he's refused to do it. And so if today you are like this man, you have a call, you're postponing it, you don't know what to do, you are confused, and you want to, you want to be prayed for, Pastor Mo, please come and pray. Just, please just stand up or raise your hands. Just standing up is even an act of obedience in itself. It's the first step. So just stand up or just raise your hands. And then, you know, let's just, let's just pray.
1: Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. As the Lord needs somebody. Here I am, send me. Father will respond to your call. See all this people standing. Responding to you. Responding to your assignment. And even some more sitting down, who know that you've called them to something but they've been holding back. They've been holding back. Today is a day of open hearts and open hands. Open hearts and open hands. We respond to you. We respond to you. We respond to you, O God, because you are our maker. We respond to you because you can make us better than our design for ourselves. We respond to you because in our response, your power enables us to do the assignment. So Lord, help us, O God. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are unsure of how to go forward from here. But we're standing anyway. Thank you, Lord God, for that capacity that comes from you. Even right now, I pray it upon your sons and daughters standing, oh God. Heavenly capacity in the name of Jesus. Enablement in the name of Jesus. Equipping in the name of Jesus. Empowerment in the name of Jesus. Therefore shall the power of the Most High come upon us. Therefore shall the Spirit of the Lord come upon us mightily. To do and to experience that which you are saying, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ.